You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Woodhouse offers confidence as your trusted auto partner. With 18 brands and 16 convenient full-service dealerships, you can easily shop the latest models, discover a pre-owned vehicle that meets your list of must-haves, or conveniently maintain your current vehicle. And our knowledgeable and local team is ready to help. Providing you the solutions to get you on the road faster, whether online at woodhouse.com or in person. Experience the difference with Woodhouse, a trusted auto partner since 1975. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Personal Branding Playbook. We have very special guest, Curtis Schoon. This is a legend right here. He, this man is a legend. He's been, he's been around for some years, man. I've been following him on Twitter for a couple years now, and... and He's not one to really bite his tongue, man. Nah. This guy's going to let you know what he wants to say. So, Curtis, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thank you, Chris, for having me, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Man, so what I want to start this off with is what's the biggest thing you focused on right now? You know, like what's the biggest thing you focused on building in your world right now? Uh, my news platform, School TV, is taking up more time than I've ever committed to anything because it's a round-the-clock process dealing with journalists. It's all new for me, so there's a learning curve I got to get around, but I'm passionate about it because I feel like um, I don't want to use the black-owned media space because it's a, I think it's an honest, unbiased media space that just happens to be black-owned, and I, I, there, there's a need for that by everyone, not just black people. Mm, I agree. I definitely agree. Um, and I noticed that's one thing you really focus on is the the truth, but in a different way. Um, I think you're one of the few people that I see that it has a spotlight on them, but isn't afraid to say that truthful thing. Everybody else could be thinking it. You're one of the few people that will step out there and say it. Like what really helped you build that mentality of I have to be more honest and upfront and really just put everything on front street than other people. Well, Economic independence plays a big part in that. Um, when you have a family, a wife, kids, and saying certain things could affect how you provide for them, you will censor yourself, you know. And to some degree, of course, everyone can be um, can be tampered with financially. You know, you can be boycotted, you could get negative publicity, so on and so forth. But to to a large degree, I try to diversify my income streams so I am never beholden to falsehood and false narratives. And a lot of people are. They don't believe the things that they say, but they will say it because it's what they either have to say or they're afraid to, uh, to speak the truth for whatever reason. Like, really, when you think about it, from, from a lot of other people's perspectives, it's a lot of risk and very little reward. So there's no real incentive to do it. But, uh, you know, I, I give thanks for being in a space 
where I can take those kind of chances. And Lord knows I've, I've probably lost opportunities that I'm not even aware of. Because even though I'm economically independent, I can still lose. There's probably people who wanted to deal with me, but because of my outspokenness, they'd be like, nah, we can't deal with him. And I would never know. But, I, but, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But but I'm okay I, with that. I've heard Corey Holcomb say the same thing before. Um, Corey Holcomb, I, I, he's a comedian. Yeah. I'm sure you know him. Um, he, he's the same way. It's like, I'm going to say what I want to. And I always had the streets behind me. That's kind of his thing. Um, and I see you guys being the same way, you know, where, um, you know, you have your own world where people support you and what you're doing. Like you said, it's still risk involved, but it allows you to still be more free and honest. Um, I, I love that, man. I love that about your content and what you do. Um, and, and I, I want to get your opinion on the recent situation with Kwame Brown and Stephen A. Smith. And just, just what did you think about that? Because that was just that was kind of crazy for me to see because Kwame Brown has been talked about in the news for years. It was crazy for me to see him just pop up in a spotlight like that. And he was responding to people and. I had I agree with a lot of what he was saying, man. He was kind of going in on him. Uh, I've watched Kwame's first response in its entirety. I've watched minutes of other responses because it pops up in my YouTube suggestion box, right? So I'll look at a couple of it, uh, minutes of it. I think I'll say this. Um, Kwame has every right to lash out at anyone who criticized him is criticizing him because he he's endured a lot of abuse for years and he's entitled to that however on a personal note a lot of his delivery and um, and approach is kind of like to me I think it's geared up for a younger audience because there's some entertainment value there to what he does. Yeah. And um, at my age, and especially with the seriousness of the things that I'm dealing with, I just want to get right to it. You know what I mean? So I, I support Kwame. I may not listen to all of his, uh, his interviews, but I think he's reaching people that I couldn't reach, that I wouldn't reach. So everyone has their role to play. So, yes, I support what he's doing, and he's in his right to do it, too. Because, you know, they say, speak of the devil and he appears. Well, they called his name and here he is, you know? <laughs> true, true, true. I like what you just said about playing a role. I think that is the most important thing we have to focus on right now. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at some of the Manosphere content on YouTube, you have, obviously, Kevin Samuels is popular, mediocre tutorials and reviews. You got the roommates, Fresh and Fit. It's just a ton of content out there to speaking to men directly. Do you personally feel like there is a role you have to play in not just content and media, but specifically to black men? I think there's a role we all have to play. Not that I have, not that I should be singled out or anyone should be singled out. My philosophy is this: as as black men, black women, black adults, the black community, every room we walk into. We either kick the door off the hinges for the person behind us or we slam the door shut. And I try to keep as many doors open as possible, not as a singular movement, but just as a, a, a matter of practice and principle to do the best and be the best that I can be at all times. I've said it before. 
I feel like my reputation is my actual credit score in life. So I try to move as righteously as possible. I'm not perfect, and I will slip, and I have my flaws as well. But I make a conscious effort to put forth the, the best me in every situation because you never know how you could influence the person you're interacting with or the person who's watching you. And, and, and unfortunately, there's a, there's a people like to stereotype and what have you, and I don't, like to, I don't want to fuel negative stereotypes about black men or black people in any way, not just to other people, but to each other, because we reinforce these stereotypes among ourselves. Yeah. We embrace yeah. a lot of this nonsense, <laughs> you know what I mean, and claim it yeah. as black culture. And I'm like, I don't know about that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 and that's one thing I respect about what you're doing is it's not this kind of hypocritical. You know, I think it's hypocritical, hypocritical when you have people that will call it out where other people do it, and then when we do it to each other, it's like, okay, and I think for a lot of things to change, it has to be that universal correction. You know, it can't be okay in this instance, but then wrong in this instance. Like, we have to make sure it's wrong everywhere. And and that's going to help us evolve, in my opinion. Um, I love what you said, man. That's that's the bar right there. The, the bar is, my reputation is my credit score for life. That's a bar. That, that right there is a quote for the episode. <laughs> you know why I smile when you say that? Because I, I hear that a lot. I say that, they be like... That's a bar. I said, okay. <laughs> but go ahead, brother. Yeah. Yeah, it's, just, it's one of those short phrases that I think will, will really resonate with a lot of people. Um, and I, I honestly think it's something that needs to be addressed, you know, because just looking at the way the world works right now, and um, I wasn't even big into politics before Trump. Trump is really what got me into politics more, made me more aware and now seeing the shift in the world and seeing what's going on with Biden in office, it's like, wait a second, man, this is a big change. So what is your opinion about the current state of politics for us? Like, are you one of those people that believes we need to start our own political party or should we be Republican, Democrat? Like, what's your opinion on that? Um, so there's a lot of lip professors in our community, idealists, ideologues, intellectual eunuchs, educated idiots. They all have a microphone. They all have a platform to stand on. And they propose all of these uh, illustrious objectives that I, I don't even know how we can make it happen, right? What, what I think is that we need to keep it simple. Uh, vote for people who are catering to our personal interests. I'll give you an example. I was involved in the congressional campaign of 2018 in Michigan in the 13th district to replace John Conyers, who had stepped down. My guy was Coleman Young II. The eventual winner was Rashida Tlaib, a woman of Palestinian descent and a member of what they call the squad, right? The 13th Congressional District was the second poorest district in the country at that time. But Rashida Tlaib, she got the votes because she talked about issues at the border and Palestine. Now, why did the people in the 13th District vote for, 
for a candidate who focused on those things? I don't know. It makes no sense to me. I mean, I'm not pro or anti uh, immigrants at the border. I think people in Texas got to deal with that. You know what I mean? Like, we, it's about what they think, not us, because we don't have to deal with it. You understand? So that's more something for them to uh, to, to address. And, and I'll be trying. You know, it's funny. I say that because I'm from LA, yeah. and I tell people like, you may not, you may think it's different, and you may be all, you may have an opinion on it because you live in New York you know, or Connecticut. Yes, yeah, yeah. And, and you're removed. But when you, you when you move, when you live in a place like LA or New Mexico or Texas, and you live next door to it, it's a different world. You experience it differently, so therefore, your opinion has more of an impact because you have real life experience. So I. With the lip service people, like you said, I think a lot of those people are so far removed from real world situations that they have a lot of opinions, but their opinions don't really hold any weight because it doesn't really tie to any life experiences. That's a problem. Look, man, they love the sound of their own voice and they don't know what they don't know. They say a lot of things to get on CNN and MSNBC and they they line up for their butter biscuits. They get rewarded. Some of them get tenure at a... At, at, at universities, Mark Lamont Hill is one. He's over there at at Temple. I, I can't imagine paying for my kid to get educated by this guy. And you know, I, it's not like I'm tearing down a black man, but this is a black man who doesn't really speak to black issues. So is he really black? He's out here promoting that men can have babies and. Men have a menstrual cycle and all that. These aren't black issues. These aren't black concerns. Obviously, he's being paid to represent someone else's interests. So is he really black? You understand? He's not, he's not advocating for us, and he's not the only one. There's a plethora of people who do this for a living. Uh, you know, and, and whether they're black or white, they deserve to be called out. I think what has happened is, we have a black elite class, people like Mark Lamar Hill, and they do not identify with the black community at large. So what they try to do, it's, it's a political sleight of hand. They'll, they'll obsess over racism, racism that they don't experience because they spend all their time in white spaces. All their opportunities come from white people. They love white people. White people have been good to them, but they've been good to them for a reason, because they, 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 they promote certain things that are important to the specific white people they are in proximity to. These are your white liberals, far left, your, your LGBTQ, so on and so forth. So what their job is, is they, they facilitate our exploitation, because we have the numbers. So... The only value we have as a community, seemingly, to the liberal establishment, the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. or maybe even the Republican Party, because let's make it clear, I'm neither a Democrat or Republican, right? I was going to ask you that. You know, my you know, look, but, but I think one party has given up on trying to, to get our votes to harness it, and the other party has gone overboard. So this is how they get our votes cheaply. They bring up a lot of symbolism. Let's tear down Confederate statues. Let's do this. None of these things will register in our household. It's just a gesture. It's all, it's it's all symbolism. 
right? Uh. And then they get people like a Mark Lamar Hill and others, Joy Reid, Don Lemon, any black person you see on TV with a microphone, 98% of them are pushing a certain narrative. Probably about yeah. 2% might go the other way, but you probably won't like them because you might have to turn to Fox to see them or Newsmax or something that automatically nullifies them. You won't listen yeah. to what they have to say. You know what I mean? But, but, but anyway, what they do is their job is to convince black people that they have something in common with us because of racism and police brutality. It's why LeBron James, who's worth probably close to half a billion dollars, I don't know, after after ten million, it's all a lot of money to me, you know. So yeah. he's, he's he's talking about people spray painted his house with racial epithets, and he lives in a twenty nine million dollar home. I'm sure his neighbors are pleased that he's there. He never produced security footage of the person doing it. No one has ever been arrested, and no one has seen the footage. But you know what? It automatically put LeBron in a position where he can be a spokesperson for us. Now, I like LeBron as a basketball player, but LeBron cannot be a spokesperson for me. His life and his issues and challenges are so far removed from me that he cannot authentically represent my interests and concerns. So some people may say, look, like he came from the hood. That was a long time ago. That was $400 million ago. Do you know how far removed he, he is from yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, that doesn't mean he's a bad guy because he's rich. I just think people should be represented by their peers. Someone who could identify with their, their I like struggle. I you say that. I love how you say that because I think that's my biggest problem with politics is every time I look at some debate or some conversation, it's people who are like you said far removed or they're way too old you know they they just don't live in the normal world with normal people so it's like all of again all of their opinions and their experiences they just don't get it now you can go and talk to them but it's nothing like you know you you living in that situation every day you waking up in that situation you know like i grew up in watts compton long beach like mm -hmm. i'm from that side i'm from the hood so when I do hear we on Twitter, we call them blavity black. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. We call them blavities, the yeah. ones who who found out they was black when they got to college. Like mm -hmm. when you hear those people talk about the hood, you like wait, like that's not what it's like. You you never lived there, so you don't know. Like your experience doesn't correlate with mine. You just weren't there. So for those people that you're speaking of, right? They're so obsessed with white people that if they come outside and see too many black people, they think they're in the hood. And we all know that's not the case. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, yes. If they see oh too God. many black people, they're like, I'm, I'm in the hood, man. I'm out here every day, yeah. you know. But the, they, they just don't know. And they, they are the reason why I felt like I had to get involved. And for you, it started with Trump. But for me, it started with Obama's second term to get in, get involved politically because it started with the, the creation of the Black Lives Matter movement. And they were really some blavity, boot-licking house Negroes, every last one of them, advocating for an agenda that really had nothing to do with correcting problems in our community, right? I, I, 
I think we play politics wrong, but I don't think politics can provide the panacea for for our problems. I think we have a cultural problem, um, a problem of values and, and traditional values that no one wants to address because it's in conflict with what they're trying to do, which is redefine the, the family, undermine the nuclear yeah. family, and all these things. The fact of the matter is the traditional family was part of why black people were a little bit more successful even under Jim Crow. We had a community. I mean, you didn't have, I mean, look, we they point to Black Wall Street and other areas that was thriving under Jim Crow because we had a solid foundation. You see, they all, people only fixate on the fact that well, white people was jealous and this that but go back to why it happened in the first place. Why did it work? We supported each other. We didn't need an app to tell us where black businesses were. We didn't need things like that. We didn't need to cry about not owning a, a, a sports team. We owned teams. We had a league. We had all of these things. And, a league. That, and, a league. And, and, oh, and integration man. gave it away. Integration pretty much just integrated our own economic infrastructure. And, and that's about all it did. The black elite led us into integration because they wanted to be even closer to whiteness. You know, that's what they wanted. So they 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 gave up being owners and bosses and, and leaders of their community to be employees and sycophants of the white liberal establishment. And we don't have to so, say so any names, but that's, that's all you. of them. But go ahead. <laughs> I got a question for you right on that. On, I, I like that. I like where we're going with this. And this is something, obviously, it's talked about all the time yeah. when we integrated. And, and the whole quote from Martin Luther King, I've integrated my people into Burton a burning house, house yeah. and all that. See that all the time. My question to you is in t- 2021, do you believe that we should try to fix things in the system we're in now or should we be trying to create our own structure like our own everything because if you look at cryptocurrency if we create our own currency do you think that sounds insane i've heard people say that one it's like what's the next step for us so we can start to make our just create our lives to be better I, again i think we got to keep it simple all of those things i will not rule out as something that could happen down the road but we have this thing with us and I, I don't just want to put it on us. might be people in general. We gravitate to the grandiose. When what it takes is small steps. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You know what I mean? Like, that, that, that's just how it is, man. A lot of us really, we say we want to help the community. But it's, I think it's fair to say that from what I see on social media, that the black community is suffering from a collective narcissism. We really just want to be in the spotlight. Look at me, everybody. I'm rich. Mm. I got money. I'm here. I'm in Cancun. I'm in St. Bart's. <laughs> I'm here. I'm yeah. doing it big. You know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and what has happened is consumerism, spending money, putting money into the system, has replaced accomplishments. There's nobody on social media talking about, I just hired 10 people. Mm. 
You see, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's nobody saying anything like that. You know, uh, right behind me, you see the poster that says Black, White, and Blue. That's my film, right? I, I hired so many people. I put people to work, paid people to get out of view that addressed integration and all these things that we're talking about right now. I think it's a film that your viewers should really go check out. Uh, the website is blackwhiteandbluefilm.com, or you can go to Amazon and check it, five stars. But it, it outlines from a historical standpoint what we are discussing right now with the civil rights movement and where we went. And I had a conversation with a Dr. Randy Short. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's in the film, very educated brother. Uh, and I was telling him this morning, because I did, I did some footage with him over the weekend, for the paywall of my, um, my my news site. And I explained to him that I think there's too much emphasis on history with us. Mm, really? Yeah. And you know, as an interesting statement, there's too much emphasis on history. And I, you know what? I was attacked for saying this a few years, yeah. a few months ago, but I'm tired. I'm exhausted of even seeing trailers of slave movies. I'm tired of it. I don't want any more. I, I, I'm good. I'm good at this point. I've seen enough slave movies. I've seen enough hood movies where the kid gets shot or something. All the same things. That's correct. It's the same thing. Yeah. I am done. It's exhausting. So I, I can agree. I can agree with well, that statement. <laughs> because well, the way I broke it down for Randy, and, and listen, he's he has his doctorate and everything. This is a highly intelligent black man, articulate and all educated, all of that, right? And I told him, I said, because I think the interpretation of history is subject to the level of intellect of the person interpreting it. So when you say that you need to know history to know where you're going, you're making the assumption that the person you're talking to can make that connection. And unfortunately, and it's and not just in a black situation, the vast majority of people cannot make those connections themselves. So so you're in the, you're lecturing them and they're looking at you like, wow, I can't do that. He's really smart. So you get a fan base, but are you really helping them though? You see, I think history is important for the people who can use the information to impact change. If all you're going to do with the history that you have is peacock and show everybody how smart you are and talk about all the books you read and, and win Twitter debates, it's pointless. So now that you know history, what are you going to do with it? I'm more of the frame of mind of Napoleon Bonaparte. He said history is a set of lies agreed upon. See? I, I, and I think if you wasn't there, if you wasn't there, do you really, you really know? Can't believe it Come all. on, man! <laughs> and that's why I don't focus on it. Yeah. We can deduce certain things because we see the effects of it, but those accounts, those are personal accounts. And liars weren't just born in the 20th century. People have been lying and embellishing forever. Just because it was written on a wall a thousand years ago doesn't mean it's gospel. See, and... We, when we find right. things that are so far from us, we automatically assign some kind of like holier-than-thou value to it. People have been lying and stretching the truth and all of that. I personally think 
that all things are based on truth, including falsehood. So history, in many cases, ends up being propaganda, not necessarily lies. Propaganda because you don't get the whole story. You get the story that serves the purpose of the person telling it, who may embellish, who may fabricate, or who may just censor out the other side of the story. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So And, we, and, and it can be used. It, it can be. I 100% agree because um, I watch certain things. And again, being from, from Compton, being from L.A. and stuff, just the history there alone. And there were some things I experienced personally because I was there. And then I go on Twitter and I see certain people talking about it. It's like, look, you weren't there. Revisionist history. About, you can't talk about it because you weren't there. But then they, those are the people that will go viral. And it's what they said now becomes true because they have the most attention. And, and, and I think that's a real uh, a real reason why what you're doing with your platform is so important because we need a place that's truth. Like not not none of the other stuff matters, like all the fake painting stuff and just the attention grabbing headlines. We need the facts because, again, I've seen I experienced that personally. And it was just it was kind of funny. But now I look back consistently. I'm like, man, that's it's bad that that's where we are with this history thing, like where people focus on it so much everybody's trying to find a way to be first. Look, man, uh, if we tell a lie enough times, it becomes like the truth, you know? And uh, sometimes we just got to be careful about the information we take in. And what I'd lean on is my own personal experiences more than anything. My knowledge and information, my education is primarily experiential. And that doesn't mean it's the end-all, be-all. But that is my blueprint of what to do. It's like touching a hot stove and you know not to touch it again. No one has to tell you. It would be nice if someone told you before you touched it. But after you touch it, that memory, that lesson is seared into your brain. So I rely on my experiences, good, bad, and other. And... um I use that to navigate a course that I feel can help others. My goal in life is not to become a billionaire, not, not to be fabulously rich or any of those things. I, I want money so I can continue doing the work that I'm doing, employing people, putting them it's to work. Tool. It's a tool. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to brag about my chain, my watch, my cars, my home, those things mean very little to me. I do enjoy nice things. Let's let's get that straight. But, <laughs> but they don't. Gotta put that out there. Yeah, Gotta put that yeah, out there. Yeah, because I don't you know, somebody is looking at me and saying, but look at your glasses. Or, you know what I mean? Or something. No, I like nice things, but I, there's a there's a priority for, for all of that. I, I want to be able to help people more than anything, bro. That is what I think my mission is at this point in my life, to try to help others, to show them the way. I think we need more unsung heroes. 
We don't need we don't need icons. We got a lot of them. They didn't really do much if you really think about it. Oh, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation. You know what I mean? Like, like, That's we, true. Hey, I can say even me, uh, man. I'm only 29. Um, okay. I, I know you. You probably twice my age and lived 56. a whole lot of life, man. 56. Look, yeah. and lived a whole lot of life, man. And for me, even now, I, like you said, I'm not. I'm just not focused on the flashy things most people my age are. Like one of my biggest goals, I want to go back where I come from. I want to go and just fix it and obviously it's going to take time and money like you said mm-hmm. but I, I think skid row in la needs to be addressed oh, wow. that it is the way it is it needs to be addressed you know i, I my, one of my plans is to set up a, a shelter for men you know because there are thousands for women but it's only two for men i'm in seattle right now and there's one out here um but there are many places that men could go you know when they down and out fresh out of prison or something like that so I want to set up programs for men to learn trades. And I believe that if we help men be better men, it's going to change the world, you know, give more men jobs, give more men, just, just confidence, you know, just, just ability to be a provider, a protector and all of that, all the other stuff will come after, but giving men the basics to be better men, you know, he might not have had a father, you know, he might've made a mistake when he was young and went to jail or something. Mm-hmm. That don't mean that the rest of his life should be downhill. Correct. You know what I mean? So, so, so I a hundred percent agree with what you said about the money thing. Like me making money, it's not like I'm not making money so I can buy a bunch of boats or a bunch of houses, man. I just, I don't care. I, one car is good. That's all I need. I don't need 10. Like, they, I don't need all of that, man. You know, they say bragging is not really um, good. It's not, not polite, proper. But if I was to brag about something, you know what I want to brag about? Rather than how many millions I made, I'd like to brag about how many millionaires I made. You understand? Yeah. Because I, I, I don't believe that individual success is really what success is. To me, true success is a collective success. It doesn't mean I want everybody in the black community to be a millionaire, right? That's that's not realistic, <laughs> okay? But the, I would tell you, that's a little too far, man. That's a little too far. <laughs> but what I, what I would like is that whoever I have around me, my team, if I make mills, they make mills. And if we make mills, we turn around and we help people with it. Not to make them millionaires, but to put them on the path or possibly their children on the path to replicating what we did. And more importantly than what we made, I think the standard should be what we did with what we made. And eventually, that's how we turn this thing around. You know, enjoy your life. Have fun. Buy nice things. But just remember that, you know, if, you, if you're doing good and everybody around you doing bad, you ain't really doing good. You know? <laughs> that is not a good sign. No, it is not. not. A good sign. You know, I, I, I come up a certain way, and uh, you can get hurt coming around people who don't have showing off everything oh, yeah. that you have. I don't care who oh, you yeah. are. You could have come from There's those same streets. Days. You understand? You could have came from those streets, but if you... If you come back just to stunt, as they say, you know, I got another saying. To lead the people, you must feed the people. You got to feed the people. You got to feed the people. If you ain't trying to feed the people and you just want to, you know, 
guard your guard your few or food in front of their face, man. You might as well go in the corner and do that. Come around throwing yeah. throwing food away in the trash and people going hungry. Nah, that ain't gonna work, man. So you gotta feed the people if you wanna lead the people. And I, I think a lot of us I don't know if it's just a phenomenon in my lifetime. I don't believe it was like this prior, but I don't know. I wasn't there. We have this kind of, um, I don't want to say entitlement, but we think to receive before giving. You know, I'll share an example with you, right? So a couple years ago, a friend of mine made me aware that um, this lady was interested in me, right? She was a, an attorney at a big, big law firm. Big law firm, right? She'd done a lot of things, whatever. Now, you know, for some people, that alone sounds like, hey, that's, that's great, man. You should. But not for me, because I need nothing from no one. So what somebody else got going on isn't an enticement, right? Yeah. It just sounds like, well, okay, so you're about your business, good. You're not a loser, all right, cool. <laughs> All right, but but I, I don't necessarily need anything from you. However, in conversations, I shared with her that my daughter had just graduated that year from law school and passed the bar. Oh, that's what's up. Now, this was in 2018. So me, right, if I meet a woman and I'm talking to her, we're getting to know each other, and she says, you know what, Curtis, my son just graduated from law school, and he passed the bar. And if I worked at a law firm, do you know what my automatic response would be? I'm trying to get you to hook up. Yeah, I'm like, uh, does he have any jobs <laughs> lined up? I might be able to help out with that. See, and that, that's, that doesn't even have anything to do with romance. That's just a natural reaction for me when I'm dealing with people that I have some interest and care about on some level, any level. You want to help. That woman never said that. So you know I never dated her, correct? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? It's a wrap. And, it's, and, it's and, a wrap. and I didn't I didn't need anything from her. My daughter is fine. But to to not be considerate enough, we always think about what we want. Never what other people may need, how we can help them. It's always about us, us, us. And that's what I mean by that collective narcissism. We have to always understand, man, that just like we have needs and wants, other people do too. And, and, and like they said in the South back in the day, uh, even swap ain't no swindle. You understand? Or, or in New York, they said a fair exchange is no robbery. A lot of times, man, you got you to gotta offer stuff sometimes. I offer people all the time, man. I'm on this podcast. Why? Because I said, anybody who want to do a podcast with me, this is how you reach me. I'm not getting paid. Somebody helped me. I reach out to people to my whole timeline. I'm doing as many interviews as possible. Some people don't have any real followers. Some people have a little follower. It doesn't matter. I'm just planting seeds, and I'm getting that information out there, and you never know. Any one of you guys could be somebody major down the road and be like, you know what? <laughs> Let me holler at this dude, man. It just happens. You see? But if you're looking for that instantaneous gratification, you'll pass up on a lot of things. We got to plant more seeds, man. Man, I love that, man. This has been a great, uh, amazing conversation. Um, 
let the people know where they can find your news platform and how they can get you know I, I know you got a lot of content behind that paywall so what's the the content behind the paywall you know why should they be subscribing oh man um i'm, I'm starting to move off youtube i'm just putting previews on youtube and um you're gonna get my interviews behind the paywall and i got other running gun footage behind the scenes footage you, you can get to see my film for free behind the paywall. I got to put it up behind there. But it, they're going to have unlimited access to it so they can watch it as many times as they want. Because I own it. I own that. I, I can do whatever I, I want, just like I own the site. I own the server that the site is on. Nobody can tell me anything. So I can put what content I want on there. I'm about to start hosting podcasts on the site. Other podcasters. The site is schooltv.com. That's S-C-O-O-N as in Nancy, TV.com. And it's an independent news site. Uh, it's focusing on, on politics, social issues, and business. There's no entertainment stuff, no celebrity gossip. You got TMZ and Shade Room for all of that. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I like yeah. that. I, li- I like to keep it separate, man. Yeah, keep it separate. yeah. yeah. I, and, and I'm not knocking those people. There's something for everybody. But I'm serious-minded, and I think I provide content for either serious-minded people or for people when they're in a serious mood. You understand? And that that's my demo, which means it probably won't get too big, but it'll be big enough, and it'll probably be one. I might inspire somebody will take it to the next level and that's fine with me and oh and, and also my twitter handle at school tv ig at school tv and can't forget my film black white and blue film.com check it out oh man i love it man thank you for being here you know i appreciate having you on the show this was a, a very insightful conversation man really appreciate it. oh man thank you so much anytime This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.